My name is Patricia Kathleen, and this podcast series will contain interviews I conduct with female and female-identified entrepreneurs, founders, co-founders, business owners, and industry gurus. These podcasts speak with women and women-identified individuals across all industries in order to shed light for those just getting into the entrepreneurial game as well as those deeply embedded within it. Histories, current companies, and lessons learned are explored in the conversations I have with these insightful and talented powerhouses. The series is designed to investigate a female and female-identified perspective in what has largely been a male-dominated industry in the USA to date. I look forward to contributing to the national dialogue about the long overdue change of women in American business arenas and in particular entrepreneurial roles. You can contact me via my media company website, wild.agency, that's W-I-L-D-E dot agency, or my personal website, patriciakathleen.com. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the conversation. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. This is your host, Patricia, and today I am sitting down with Catherine Cloward. Catherine is CEO and founder of Candon Unlimited. Welcome, Catherine. Hi, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be on your show. Absolutely. I look forward to speaking with you. I'm going to read a brief bio on Catherine, but before I do that, for everyone listening, I always uh, proffer up a roadmap of where today's podcast is headed, so if you want to return to it and go to a specific part, it's a little bit easier to do. Today, we're going to have four main sectors. First, we're going to address um, Catherine's academic background and early professional life following that. Then we'll launch straight into unpacking Candon Unlimited, um, namely the who, what, when, where, why, and how of that company, um, and kind of get into the structure and then more about the minutiae of, of the ethos and what the company's all about. Then we will go straight to the goals that Catherine has, both for Candon Unlimited and personally, as well as um, some of the other areas that she's in in her life. And then we will wrap everything up with advice that Catherine has um, for those looking to get involved in her work, work with her, or kind of mirror what she's done um, with her career thus far. Let me offer a quick bio on Catherine. Catherine Cloward is an award-winning book series author, performing songwriter, media publisher and producer, and serial entrepreneur. Catherine is founder and CEO of Candon Unlimited, a heart-centered, mindful media company intent on creating positive and empowering media for people of all ages. Founded in 2010 to independently publish her Catherine the Grape series of books, Candon Unlimited has expanded to become a full-spectrum media company that owns and or represents media assets for over 200 published books and songs, has three trademark brands, and manages multiple independent artists. It also produces The Ripple Effect with Catherine Cloward, a podcast series offering listeners refreshing and authentically transparent conversations about cultivating sustainable fulfillment personally and professionally. To date, Catherine has earned 14 national level awards and six regional level awards for her books and music. Raised by her parents to have a spirit of giving back, Catherine has consistently channeled her energy into graciously helping others by donating her time and resources to a variety of nonprofit organizations and enrichment programs for youth. In recent years, she's poured her energy into helping raise awareness and money for local and national charitable causes by writing and producing impact songs that often feature youth performers and are fueled for fueled forward in part by community support through her company's charitable arm. So I'm excited to kind of climb into all of that with you, Catherine, but first will you um, (laughs) talk to us a little bit about your academic background and early professional life following that? Sure. Sure. Well, I, um, I actually am from San Diego. I'm a native San Diegan and I attended San Diego state university. I actually um, funded my own college. You know, I was raised in a family with, three older brothers. And uh, so there's four of us largely on one income, most of our, of our lives. And we, my parents just didn't have the money um, to send us all to college, which we all knew. And, um, and I kind of followed in my brother's footsteps and doing what they did in the sense of figuring out how to, to get to college, do college and, and do it without tremendous debt. 
So I went to our community college for two years, and then I graduated from SDSU with a degree in communications. I was very involved in college. I was the president of the School of Communication Network. I um, was on the water ski team. That was a lot of fun. And I... uh, and I worked all through college. So I worked as a food server, as a waitress, and um, I graduated without any debt. So I'm really proud of that. Nice. That's and, amazing. Uh, <laughs> thanks. And then, um, you know, around that time, because I had been in San Diego my whole life, I had gotten that travel bug. I had gone to Europe in between my junior and senior year of college. And I was like, all right, you know, I don't want to go to grad school. I want to travel. And so um, sure. my first job out of college, out of SDSU, I went and worked for Club Med and had so much fun working for Club Med. Had a regular, you know, um, customer service, public relations job during the day and then got to perform um, at night in all the shows. And then I went and worked and lived in New Zealand for a year. I worked, um, I was there with a, a man I was dating and lived there for a year, and um, that was great fun. And then I was kind of like, "All right, I gotta get back to mm-hmm. <laughs> to, uh, to on this track." And so I started my career. Um, I was a corporate headhunter for my first three years of of my career. My entire career has always been this entrepreneurial, um, you know, unlimited, uncapped um, earning potential, risk reward, high commission sales type. Um, structure. And that's exactly what I got involved with, with um, recruiting. And I, and I loved it. And I, I thrive in that unlimited possibility space. Um, some people freak out in that space and rightfully so, because there is no like real guarantee. Right. Um, that's, that's how I started my career. And I started, um, I worked, um, just put my head down and learned that business and, uh, and I learned the real basics of sales and marketing and relationship building and client management and team um, organization all within this, you know, hardcore. I say hardcore just because it was like sink or swim, you know, environment. Yeah. Uh, it took me nine months to earn my first commission check. And, um, and I worked on the weekends and I just knew I could do it. I saw other people doing it. I saw other people hitting these sales awards, these achievements, these, you know, they were figuring out the business and, um, and I eventually did too. And I ramped up very quickly after that and, uh, and very much enjoyed that, that segment of my career. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, PR involved with corporate headhunting and, you know, my, um, my knowledge in that industry is strictly based on kind of after the bubble burst in, um, the Bay area and, um, the corporate headhunting game kind of changed after that, at least in San Francisco. And I was amazed at how much like um, public relations and relationship building is kind of based, uh, or at least was in that area during that time. Um, I had a very good friend who was kind of involved in it and she would, um, she had a very, for, as far as business relationships are concerned, she had, you know, a very um, tight knit relationship with a lot of her clients. And it was kind of based on, because, you um, finding talent and making that right. It's very matchmaking and, you know, kind of yep. understanding that the, the client as well as the talent, um, it becomes this, you know, if it, if it works, people trust you, they return, there's a lot of money. And if it doesn't, you're done. And, yep. um, so she had to, she did a lot of courtship in the beginning with those clients. And then, um, <laughs> yes. you know, it was like this, the constant dinners, just constant dinners and lunches and things <laughs> of that nature. And then really fielding, um, it was, she was, she, it felt like she was a counselor like a, a psychotherapist mm. or something, you know, to both people. So I found it fascinating, but never, uh, never time off. It was like a real estate agent. I felt like she was always on. She was always accountable, you know, on those times. Do you think that, well, first of all, is that similar to your experience? And do you think that you gleaned things from your earlier career with even Club Med and your communications degree, your travel, like did those lend to becoming successful in corporate headhunting or was it kind of all learned during those nine months before that first commission check? No, no, that's a great question. No, I think um, I would say I resonate with the relationship is everything in business across the board. I don't, um, that's been the common thread for sure. Um, I definitely have a rooted um, from when I was growing up, this rooted, if you want it, you need to earn it mentality. And so um, that's, 
that's translated into this entrepreneurial spirit I have. But for sure, I believe wholeheartedly that relationships are everything. And so, you know, people don't do business with people they don't like, right? I mean, that's, I can't even remember who said that, probably Stephen Covey or somebody. But, you know, as far as I was part of that bubble, and I got into corporate recruiting um, right before the the dot-com bubble hit, and we learned to cold call. And so, you know, there were a lot of recruiting agencies that, you know, they would advertise and warm leads. We literally were the headhunting ones who poach, you know, poach a VP of sales out of another company and bring them over. And yeah. I mean, so you're right as far as the the metaphor or the the similarity of of um, real estate agents, where you're you're dealing with, you know, the client would be somebody who has, you know, the house, right? And then you've got the the the, um, the, the talent would be the person seeking a home. And so it was it was definitely matchmaking that way. And the 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 way I was grew to be extremely successful in that time, especially when the dot com hit, because when the dot com hit and everybody had money, right? All these VCs had come in and go, all right, we need to bring in all these salespeople and all these people who can grow our company. We need 25 people who can do this, 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 and this. And because we had, I had rooted in the skill of what I was doing. I could be, I could figure that out and make those calls and also my team could do that. And so we were just, we were just hitting it. But at the end of the day, um, it was the relationship with my clients, right? That they, why would they want to come back to me? Why would they trust me when there were some, when there were other agencies trying to offer the same thing and that kind of, um, you're either going to buy from me or not buy from me if I can provide you with a great service. That mentality has always served me very well in my career. You know, there's no anxiousness about it. It's just kind of like, you know, hey, I just want the opportunity to be in the ball game with you. And I'm, you know, and if you like doing business with me, you're going to keep coming back. And um, um, if you like me, we're going to grow this relationship. You know, they're obviously going to come to me first. And that relationship building side of, of what I do has, as I said, has been a common thread. And I'll tell you where I learned that. I actually learned that. I will always give this credit with by waitressing, by food serving. So those, yeah. those jobs that mm-hmm. seeded, you know, those kind of early, those early skills that I got, you know, I learned how to be very, to turn on my intuition and know what people needed. I, you know, that was the time where there wasn't a line on the credit card thing that said tip, right? Where nowadays everywhere you go, there's like tip, you know, tip included, tip, tip. You know, we have to work really hard for that money. And so I learned how to small talk with people, how to build relationships. And that just naturally segued over into corporate recruiting. And sure enough, the next position, when I didn't want people to be my product anymore, because that, you know, there was a lot of variables there. Um, and, uh, and I, you know, I was a selling manager, I'd promoted up to be a selling manager. So I was not only leading and developing people, I was also accountable on sales, which was always good for me, but then I was competing against my people, which kind of felt weird to me. But I didn't want to be in the people business anymore. And sure enough, one of my clients who I had, who I had done a lot of work for somebody I'd brought on and did close a lot of deals with them, brought them a lot of talent. When I was looking to make a move, I called you know, that VP of sales and said, Hey, I'm ready to make a move or, you know, and sure enough, boom, I went and worked for that company. So, you know, the relationship piece of everything matters. Yeah, absolutely. Networking within those relationships as well. So climb us into Candon Unlimited. What was the impetus for launching it? Did it happen gradually? When was the actual official year that it launched? And, um, can you give us like some background as to, you know, we mentioned in the bio that it's this, um, kind of, heart-centered, mindful media company, um, what, do, what, do you pro- what services do you provide? And let's start with when it was launched. If you founded it alone, did you take any funding? Yeah, it's a great question. Well, I first started my first company. I think I need to back up a little bit. I started my first okay. company in 2005. I started um, when I'd gone and worked for my client. That was a food marketing company. Worked for them for three years. And then I went out on my own, basically in direct competition with them. They cut a bunch of commissions on sales reps, and you just don't do that. <laughs> and uh, and so I went out on my own. And so I started my first company and grew that to be hugely successful um, over the course of the next five years. Um, and again, dug in deep, made relationships, closed deals, and that was all self-funded. I, I, I launched and funded that company by borrowing money from my own savings account. And then one of my clients who I was, had his own company, I had my own company. He actually financially backed the first few deals I did 
that were, you know, in the, in the five and six figure range, which I didn't have in my company at the time. And he, he funded those, we split those deals. And then sure enough, within about six months, I had paid myself back and I was running my company, you know, nice. on cash. Yeah. Um, but then, then the, of course the great recession hit and, you know, which really impacted my company in 2009, 2010. And I just was kind of, and that was about the time when the creativity side of me of, was really coming to light where this idea to bring my childhood nickname, Catherine the Grape, um, into a children's book series of books and, and the music and videos and whatnot, that all was taking shape in, um, in that time. And so I was at this kind of choice point moment precipice in my life of going, you know, I, I, I was really good at the food business. Um, but I, I didn't want to switch segments and I didn't want that to be my future. I just, I was good at it, but I just felt empty. I didn't feel fulfilled in that, mm -hmm. but I had this other piece of me that was growing. And that's when I was like, um, I started writing books and, um, and I actually formed Candon Unlimited originally because I didn't, I wanted to own the rights of Catherine the Grape. The whole reason I did that company was. Uh, when I first started writing, I, of course, thought I was going to go that traditional publishing route that a lot of people do. And, mm -hmm. and some people find only validation in somebody else saying another publisher going, you're worthy, we're going to publish you, but we're going to own everything you've got. That's and, right. uh, for me, uh, I was, I started down that route because I thought that was the only path. And a, I was a speaker at a conference um, one time and the keynote speaker and I spoke and I was asking her about how she got her book out. She advised me to independently publish and Next thing you know, I started looking into that, you know, a few months down the line. And once I realized that, hey, going with somebody else meant they'd own the rights to my character um, at that early stage in development, and I hadn't really sussed out the whole vision yet, I just was like, you know what, I don't want anybody else to own Catherine the Great because my vision has always been very expansive. And so I, once I got onto that path, I was like, nope, I'm going to do this on my own. And so I started Candon Unlimited originally as a publishing company and a, a book publishing company specifically. And, um, and I didn't need any outside funding for that. You know, I've, you know, I, I parlayed, parlayed uh, some, you know, I'd had success previously, so I was able to, I didn't need to seek outside funding. Originally, some of the people who were on board my team had shares in my company, kind of like in that kind of work equity mm -hmm. trade. Um, and then as time went on and those people weren't a part of it anymore, I bought my equity back on their buyout and got them out. Or, you know, they, they got out and I got them out of the, the equity and I own my company 100%. So as time has gone on, the company has, has expanded and taken shape. And so um, uh, originally I was publishing other people's books because I was good at it and I could do it, but it got me off focus, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. And so I, I kind of, I, I actually, um, although I owned half those rights to those books, I actually gave all their rights back. I don't know anybody in business who would do that, but no. I was like, I got to focus on what I'm doing. And I was, I'm very accountable that way. I was like, I want you guys to be successful, but you know, I don't want, I need to focus on what I need to do. And I'm going to give you back my rightful rights in your project. And that's just the, the way I see things. You know, I, I wanted to help other people be successful, but I needed to, to kind of cut those branches so I could have my tree grow in the direction and um, um, in the integrity that I foresee. So, and as I got into the music business, um, you know, put it all under my own label. The music is published under the company. So Candon Unlimited is, is really an umbrella company. Um, it's the S corporation. It's a, you know, it's, um, it's an S corporation, which is really good for, for what I do. Mm -hmm. And, and Cat, Catherine the Grape is the lead pony on that. And then also I represent, um, and then Candon Global Publishing is the music side of it you know, Candon Unlimited holds all the publishing rights of the books. And then I also represent other artists who are on my label and I publish their music. And it's, so it's just, it's just taking shape and, um, and growing, but all on the seeds of my own creativity and, and then bringing in other people who have like-minded missions in, in their life with their creativity. And we're just growing and expanding that way. But I took my time. I didn't, 
I didn't rush it. There wasn't this like master, like these are the 10 goals that we have to achieve in order to reach. I, I just trusted just like I did previously that I could grow something um, to be successful in my, in, in my own way that, uh, and I think that's important. A lot of people get discouraged if things don't grow as fast as they expect it because I've, but I've had this kind of track record of digging in deep and doing the work and knowing things take time. And mm-hmm. so now Camden, you know, we're up and run, you know, we're doing, we're doing great things on this planet. I'm really proud of, of the work that we do. Yeah. And this, um, in October, um, my, this series, um, has been interviewing in, um, in acknowledgement and honor of women's health and breast cancer awareness month. Um, we've talked to a lot of people, um, specifically geared towards health and, um, healing and longevity and things like that. And throughout all of the different industries that we've been speaking to, um, ranging from, you know, people who are health practitioners all the way into um, people who are wealth managers and wealth health and things like that. There's the, the constant dialogue about kind of holding a space for yourself in order to kind of allow things to organically, you know, kind of develop. And, and um, mm-hmm. I think that there is not a great need in female entrepreneurs for goal setting. There's more of a need for this kind of like holding that space open for your creativity on every spectrum to kind of um, reveal itself you know, and take form Mm -hmm. a little bit more organically than I think that in this day of like, what's your elevator, what's your pitch deck, what's your elevator pitch, what's this, you know, constantly rehearsed and that's, you know, that's all the incubators and all of the accelerators do, you know, quickly, you know, get everything down, make sure you've got it down in five sentences or less. It's a canned and it removes creativity and it also creates this hyperactivity that I think sometimes can stand in direct conflict with this, like, what you're talking about, you allowing yourself to do, which is allowing these things kind of um, envelop, you know, or develop um, Mm -hmm. into what they need to be. And in the time space that they have, um, we have, you have the music um, branch and you still have the Catherine, the grape that you developed Candon Unlimited for. Do you ever bring on any other authors or is the publishing site strictly for your literature? Right. Well, originally, um, I did bring on other authors, right? As I, and as I you... mentioned, but I, I'm not. And then I closed. I kind of like closed that door. Okay. But ironically enough, that's exactly what that's. We're kind of coming back into that. And and the reason why I say this is, and that's actually we've got two books on the on the pike um, in the in the pipeline for 2020 um, that are other people that are written by other people. Mm. But why I bring light to that is because. Um, why this is a, a, an important point to make for for any entrepreneur, female or male. But that that uh, while I'm really good, I'm really good at publishing. I'm really good at projects. Like I can, I my mind is like this. Yeah, it's like I have all these computer screens up. I can see everything, and you know, up there, and then what comes down the the, the pike to to get produced. And I'm, I was really really good at book publishing. Um, however, I didn't at that time. Uh, sometimes what we're really good at isn't necessarily the path that that is going to give us the greatest level of fulfillment and yeah. and where we need to be focused. And so I had to learn that too. Like what you were saying, like when you were talking about elevator pitches and blah 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 blah, blah like yeah. I literally felt inside my body that like Ugh, right. Like I, I think I even <laughs> said that just because because that's kind of like this place I used to be. Like I could you know I used to lead sales seminars and marketing seminars and all that, and that's I could oh. still do that, but that's not where I want to be. That's not where where um, that I want to be for my future, and I think that's really beautiful for um, that that I have this for for all of us to to hold space for ourselves with as, in knowing that that um, that at any given time like we can we can charge for it with this hustle right There's, I've got a lot of determination yeah. and grit and I can make it happen. And at the same time, in the same, you know, Catherine space, I'm able to sit with myself and go, what, who am I now? And what do I represent now? And how is that going to carry me forward? And so, so this constant, the road is always, I'm always traveling forward, but sometimes there's a little bit of a shift that I go over here and then I come back and I go over here. And so we're allowing myself that, that wide open journey ahead without it being like, um, and while I do have goals, they're not these like, these like, these are the amount of calls I'm going to make today. And this is my weekly goal, monthly goal. I mean, that's just so antiquated to me and feels yeah. very like sales 101 to me now. It's not, it's not where I'm at. And I think you're right. 
um, I don't think it's where a lot of people are at anymore. So as your structure has changed with the, even the genre expansion from publishing into mm -hmm. the music, have you employed people to kind of assist you with that? Or have you kept um, your, your crew tight? How, how many people are you working with? That's great. That's a great question. I am definitely a team oriented person. Um, I always keep, uh, you know, I know how to dig in deep with some really quality people. And depending on what aspect of the company, um, there's different people who do different things. And so, um, I, you know, I 1099 everybody because that's the world we're in, especially with creatives. And yeah. it keeps my company kind of working the way that we do. But, um, but one of the, you know, for instance, like, this is a fun part of it. I, I love performing. I write my own Catherine Cloward music as well um, and have four albums out for that. And so in my Catherine Cloward in the Royal Band, my bass player is a graphic designer and web developer. And so David does um, designs. Um, he he kind of moved into the position of designing, doing the graphic design layouts for all my books in the past year, where, you know, I had somebody else doing that in the past. And so I love like the team family oriented space. Um, I'm really good at sussing out people who are really talented um, and I love working with uh, with oftentimes people who have are green on experience yet on fire with with the uh, talent and working with people who perhaps are straight out of college or or whatnot that's not David but that's other people but um, yeah so I have I have a whole kind of I call it like a stable of people that I work with and different aspects, whether it's on the music side, the publishing side, we do a bunch of videos. So it's just, it's like this kind of team of people who are part of the media company, but they're in different aspects. And then there's also some crossover. And, um, and that keeps everything, everything moving along beautifully and um, keeps people, you know, working. And while they're able to do other stuff as well. Yeah, it's it's an ideal kind of format. And for everyone listening, 1099 that Catherine mentioned is um, kind of a tax filing system for people who are um, uh, working as on project to project or freelance basis. And it's kind of the it's yeah. the ideal um, status for someone who has, I would say, changing projects and a changing flow of work for their business instead of just a, you know, a, mm -hmm. A full-time employee and I agree um, with what your like what your assessment of that is do you have areas or genres that you found that you guys have started focusing on you have yours you have Catherine the grape which I want to climb into in a minute but do you find that um, you guys have started to get into these very specific either you're welcoming you you exited with um, helping other people publish now it sounds like a couple more people are coming on do you find that you attract as a business like a specific um, musical genre or artist or um, even these new authors that are coming on board or does it span the gamut that's a good question. It's more about the ripple comes from me about what I want to put my energy onto. And I'm very specific about wanting to work with people. Uh, why I haven't wanted to expand is because I'm very specific about what I want to do now. And, um, you know, my heart is to put out heart centered, you know, mindful heart centered media. Um, that is, that's the scope. And so, um, like, for instance, I work with Jennifer Klein is a woman who's on my music label. We publish all of her music. I work very closely with her. We've dug in deep with her career in the last year. Um, and so she's a she's an artist under Candon Unlimited and and her music. And here's the thread. I met her like what? quite a long time ago when I was working at that food marketing company, you know, my second, my second career job. So we've known each other for a long time Wow! and she's a creative, she's a mom, you know, she's a, she's a, you know, on fire businesswoman, and she has this beautiful heart for sharing life lessons and messages through music and, and her songwriting. I see a lot of myself in her. She sees a lot of herself in me. So it's a natural, uh, you know, you know, harmonious relationship. Um, and so she's, she's one of our lead, you know, she, she works closely with me, but I work with her because we have that synergy as far as character integrity go and our work ethic, but also, and 
um, equally important, her message aligns with what I'm sharing in the world. So I want to represent other artists, other creatives, other projects that fall within that. And, and that's, that's a line of integrity for our mission that I'll never waver on. Nice. Yeah, that's, um, I think it's important for that kind of clarity, um, I think is what keeps companies um, from being happy. You know, because happy and wealthy are not always in tandem. And so I think a lot of people can have a very successful financial company and be very unhappy with it because they let go of that ethos. You know, they let go of their, their original um, view of what their ethos should be. And keeping track of that, I think, always lands. Um, and it also lands clarity and transparency for future clients. You know, when someone is very yeah. and constantly revolving around the goals in which they wrote the company and not just the bottom line or the financial specifics, you know, but really understanding what they emotionally intended for their company and keeping that always at the forefront is um, it lends to its authenticity, its clarity for everyone involved. So I think that's fantastic. Um, did you, so and I think it's important. I just want to plug in there. And I think it's important to also give yourself grace and that I didn't necessarily have that, that overall spectrum clarity early on, right? I, I, mm -hmm. I had to develop into that going, this is what I, as, as I, as Catherine now, and as Catherine has been evolving over the last 10 years, as I was getting more and more clear about myself and the footprint I want to leave on this planet and what my living legacy is personally, I got more and more clear about the type of work that I wanted to do. And I, I agree with you, you know, you can, I can, I ran a very, very, very successful company um, that had crazy, amazing sales achievements. And there were some people that I was working with that I always say were kind of like snakes in the grass, you know, like there was like some unethical stuff that was happening that came to light. And I was like, Whoa, I don't want to be a part of this. And, um, but there was a, there was a time in my career where I had to go, you know, when do I pull out? When do I stop doing this? Because I got mortgages to pay, you know, I got a mortgage to pay yeah. and all these different things. Yeah. So, I think, um, I think uh, sometimes, you know, I hear some of these young, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs be like, well, we have to have this all mapped out now. And I'm like, not all of it. You know, you just get on the road. Don't overthink the whole, the whole map. Just start traveling down the road and clarity will become part of, of those, those signposts as you go. And then you'll get more and more and more clear about why you're on the road, what you plan to do on that road. Um, and um, instead of, you know, that analysis paralysis of, I got to have this all figured out, you know, and, yeah. um, but you're, but I did, as I've been on the road, I got more and more clear. And as you pointed out, now people are very clear about what I work with, you know, so Absolutely. someone's not going to come to me and say, Hey, Catherine, will you publish my book? That's about this, you know, X, Y, Z, completely out of scope of what I do. You know, it just wouldn't yeah. even, they wouldn't even present. Absolutely. That, and it keeps, I mean, your time tight as well. You're not feeling all of those weird <laughs> yeah. things. Did you, so really quickly, I feel like we skipped over, or I don't have it clear in my head. When was it launched? When Candon Unlimited, was it 2011? Well, Candon Unlimited launched in 2010. Well, I, we, we filed in 2010 specifically. Mm -hmm. um, and I launched, that was January 2010, and officially launched uh, 11, 11, 2010. So I, you know, built behind the scenes, meaning like, here's our first product mm -hmm. launch. Here's our first, uh, character launch was on 11, 11, 2010. And that was, so it took some time to, to, uh, get that going, which is appropriate. And I'm always very aware of making sure that, that I am, uh, litigiously bow, you know, I, that I, I get, take care of all the important pieces of what we're doing, the trademark, copywriting, you know, making yeah. sure everything's buttoned up legally. Uh, some people, I, you know, they skip these steps and it's like, ah, this, this stuff, it's the, it's the framework of your company. It's the framework that protects you. Right. And, um, and so, you know, all that stuff got into place as we're building, 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 and then poof, here we are. And that's kind of how I like to do things. I like to go like, you know, we, we cultivate behind the scenes and all of a sudden, boom, here we are, you know, and I just, I have, I have a big vision for where we're going and I have a realistic um, idea of how, how we're going to get there and uh, continue getting there. And, you know, we've done some really great stuff so far and 
um, we're going to keep doing, doing great stuff. Absolutely. So can you tell us a little bit about the character um, or the series rather of Catherine the Grape? You, it was, it was the, sure. the impetus for launching all of this. And so I think it, it's, it weighs um, heavily on the, the story of the narrative of the story as well. So without getting too much into the minutia, because I do want to get into the future goals for Canon Unlimited, but can you tell us a little bit about that series? Yeah, so Calvin the Grape, thank you. I'd love to I'd love to share about her. But you know, Calvin the Grape really came to life. It was this idea that my mom had to take my childhood nickname into being this this, this character. It's a great um, nickname. Who gave it to you? Kath, actually, um, a softball coach when I was 11 years old, he called me <laughs> Catherine the Grape because I wore purple all the time. So, you know, like a fun little play on Catherine the Great. Mm-hmm. But um you know, my mom had this idea and it wasn't until 10 years later, which was 10 years. So she had this idea like 20 years ago. And, um, and then 10 years later, I started writing. It was kind of like always in the back of my mind is it's like, you got to do this, you got to do this, but it just never took shape then. And then I started writing it. And this is what, why I brought Catherine the Grave to life was this. I was going through a challenging time of my own life. I had, um, I had checked all the boxes. I had achieved all these incredible goals right and I was and life was um I I wasn't fulfilled like I thought I you know I was just kind of I was on this treadmill to be quite frank I felt like one of those rats that just goes run 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 run, you know there was just tremendous responsibility and during this time you know um pieces of my life were just were were uh I needed some help and I and I started seeking um, additional modalities for understanding myself, some therapy, or seeking a lot of different things. And as I was um, accepting some changes in my life, um, I was also accepting these and discovering, or more specifically, rediscovering some beautiful pieces about myself, about who I truly am. I was, I was really getting filled up with self-love, like accepting accepting Catherine and as I was getting these tools of self-love for myself as a grown woman I so desperately wished I had these this awareness when I was a child and as I'm raising my son my son was just you know two three years old at this time I wanted my son to have these tools and so that's where it's kind of like the cogs in the wheel clicked together and now I wanted to make Catherine the Grape this children's book character that would give these mindful messages, these heart-centered, loving messages to children. You know, if you go into any bookstore right now or you Google it, there's all these resources for adults to heal our lives, you know, um, self-love, whatever the buzzword is right now. But at that time, you know, I go into these kind of self-help sections and there's so much for adults. Uh, mm. so that we can like heal our lives and do all this work. But really, what, what are we giving to our children? And I was like, and I yeah. wanted children to have it because also if children have it, adults have it too, and we're getting the same message. And so my hope was, gosh, you know, if I could help, help give people these tools early on, um, perhaps we will be doing less repair work in adulthood. Yeah. And so that's where, that's where the that's what energizes me with Catherine the Great, period. And so um, and that's what I've created. So, and it's taken me some time to really create this succinct series. So I, and I, we have, um, there's a Catherine the Great affirmation series. There's seven books in the series. Every book has an affirmation. Um, I am magical. I am colorful. I am love. I am kind. I'm unique. I'm grateful. I'm joyful. Each one of those affirmations has a, like a metaphorical tool, which will be a toy coming in 2020. But um, so there's these tools that go with that. And this character goes on this like self-discovery journey of figuring things out about herself. But she's very much an everyday kid, you know, who goes to school and um, plays sports and, you know, and whatnot. What is and the I just, age, like the target audience reading age? Perfect. The affirmation series is really geared towards that younger elementary school age child. And so um, the sweet spot for me is really the kind of that first and second grade grader who's still interested in um, who's perhaps reading a bit more because my book, the affirmation series is wordy. Um, I mean, it's got, you know, it's like kind of like a Dr. Seuss book, how they, they had quite a bit of words. But as far as that in between for young readers, where there's the illustrated series and the chapter book series, this is kind of filled that gap where children are ready for more word rich books, 
yet are still um, excited about illustrations. That's what Casting the Great Affirmation Series is and does. And then I just launched, literally last month, the Catherine the Grape Let's Read Together series, where I have aged the character down into a preschool-aged child. And those books are geared towards the youngest readers, so nice. um, toddlers and preschoolers. So and we went out with a few traditional books. And then the same the same lessons that I teach in the affirmation series are taught in a book called um, My Treasure Box of Tools of Love, all, all um, simplified down for that age. And that is exactly what I do kind of in a nutshell is I share age appropriate messages, heart centered, loving messages, right. um, aged down and aged up. So I was going to say, you're going to do the do, same in reverse and go into like the YA yep. into like middle school and, and all of that. Yes, yes, yes. That's <laughs> exactly. exciting. So yeah. We're gonna, yeah. So, and we have the framework. So the framework is there. The message is clear. You know, and, and I only just finished the, this, this whole seven book series in 2019. It took me that long to really learn these messages. You know, it's not this like, hey, this is the buzzword now and this is what we're doing. It's just what I've always been doing. I just had to learn the message. You know, you can't teach children about joyfulness and gratitude and being unique and uh, in an authentic way, unless you're really learning those lessons too. Yeah. And that's what I've, that's what I've done. That's exciting. So the, what are the goals for the next three years? Not just for, it sounds like it's going to move forward into the older audience range for the YA, but what about the goals for um, uh, the global publishing for the future authors or for the music? Do you have anything that's kind of just on the horizon? Yes. So the, as far as Cass and the Great brand, there's quite a few trains on the car. So the Cass and the Great brand in 2020 will be coming out with um, the merchandising for Cass and the Great. So we've got the Cass and the Great doll and then the merchandising for those toys. I see Cass and the Great becoming my vision for Castle and the Grape is for Castle and the Grape to be a household name worldwide. And so um, one of the ways that we're going to be doing that as well is all the books are being translated first into Spanish. Uh, and that's what nice. that will happen in 2020. So um, doing our first full series translation into Spanish and releasing those 2020 toys, plushes, 2020. Um, and also doing way more um, of a video kind of mini series focus we've been pitching for some shows in that way so um to take Cass and the grape to where we need to go next um there's some help that we need in that in that in that way and so that's what's kind of getting cultivated behind the scenes right now of who's the right person to come on board and help us in that way absolutely um, so that's Cass and the grape over here yeah and uh and i'm working with other artists so we've got you know we've got this uh Another young woman who's on my label right now who, um, who is living with a rare disease and we're, her name's Michelle Hopkins. She was, she sang lead on our hero song. One of the songs that you mentioned when you first started about how I do work with nonprofits and, you know, I met her through the National MPS Society, um, an organization that helps raise awareness for MPS, ML, and some other rare diseases. So we're doing an album for her right now. Um, and getting that out in 2020. And then also we've got a lot of stuff happening with the Ripple Effect brand. So there's just a lot happening under the umbrella. And so it's like, I don't know how to explain it other than, you know, when you see someone like a Tyler Perry, right? You know, like Tyler Perry yeah. just opened up his big studio in, um, in Atlanta. And I kind of have this basket of inspiring people that I would kind of carry around, right? And I was like, I'm putting Tyler Perry in that basket because he's doing exactly what he has done with his, with his media over the last 20 years is exactly the vision, a similar vision for what I have with what, what we're going to do with Camden Unlimited, with Catherine the Grape, with all these other pieces of the puzzle that we have. And um, in the same way that Oprah did it with Harpo Productions. So, mm -hmm. and everything takes time. And so um, we have some very defined goals for each of these segments on, on the car, um, but not necessarily going like this has to happen here, this has to happen there, because 
if you would, you know, when I started out this year, I had some defined goals and we already blew them out of the water. And I'm like, this is so exciting. So things yeah. are just taking shape and they're moving. And, you know, I plan on, on, um, on writing, writing this up. This is what I do. This isn't kind of like, I have no intention of ever selling. I have no intention of, I don't have any desire to like, you know, I hear a lot of people are like, I want to be an entrepreneur, grow this company and sell it. I have mm-hmm. no desire whatsoever to do that at all. This is, this is who I am. Everything I am is coming through this company, you know, and, um, and that's, that's what I want for the next, you know, 40 years of my life. Yeah, absolutely. That's exciting. I mean, when you have something that, you know, it's your forever home, <laughs> when you have something yeah. that, you know, you don't ever <laughs> want to leave. It's exciting because, I think that, you know, you're on that, you're on that for the ride. I mean, it's, it, it truly can take form, you know, when there isn't a price tag attached to something, it, it really becomes a different endeavor, particularly when it's work and passion mixed together. If, I want to wrap up with asking you if you came across a young woman or non-binary, pretty much anyone other than um, a white man, and they came up to you and they said, listen, I got my degree in communications. I've kind of played around in a bunch of the different um, hospitality and even some corporate headhunting world. And I'm going to go out on my own now. I, I want to kind of unleash this artist within and um, explore myself and, and start my own, um, my own agency. Uh, what would be the top three pieces of advice you would give that individual? That'd be great. Um, I would. Hmm. I would say, number one, give yourself time. You know, everything is about you need to give yourself time for things to grow. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't become a fully bloomed, you know, garden, you know, within a month. You have to give yourself time to grow. Yeah. I also would advise people to have another um, complementing stream of revenue for yourself. Um, that you that you have, you know, sometimes when people are like, well, I got to focus only here. But if you're not seed, if you're not having revenue coming in, you need to give yourself time to grow, to grow and create revenue within your company. And so that you're okay having something else going on. I fully believe that everything I've ever done, I've always had multiple streams of revenue coming in um, until, until or, or, or multiple things happening. And I think that uh, what I've observed lately is some people who don't think that uh, they might, they're focusing on some people who have had tremendous success and look at me, I'm influencing, I get this, you know, this thing, this one thing, but they're not really sharing like, hey, but I had to do these seven other things to help seed this. So um, I suggest that, especially for somebody who is, is, is young, like when I first started my career and I was growing up. Growing it, you know, I was serving tables for the first nine months till I got my first commission check, and my second year doing that, I was making six figures. So I'm proud of that. I'm proud that I stuck it out and knew that I could be, I could, I could have, I could achieve those financial goals, those sales goals. Um, And there, but if I didn't have something else kind of helping me pay for my everyday life, then I probably wouldn't have stuck it out. I would have gone and gotten something different. Um, And I never would have achieved those goals. So give yourself time, allow yourself the opportunity to have other streams of of revenue as well. And number three, I would say, focus on being inspired by people who have long, who are doing what you want to do that have longevity in their career. And what I mean by that is people who have, who have demonstrated have demonstrated that they have that they've kind of held a steady line in their career like we're seeing a lot of people who are quote-unquote influencers I think that's the weirdest thing I'll be frank I think it's the weirdest thing right now Uh um but that that have like you know 12 months of experience in the in in the business world right yeah so that's cool and all but I look to people that I want emulate a life um, in your professional life, the way you see some of your heroes and sheroes, right? And so, yeah. so have some other, some influences, whether that you're watching and observing, like someone like an Oprah, let's say, mm-hmm. right? Or a Marianne Williamson. I love following some really wonderful women who've had long careers of being change makers on our planet. 
that I don't necessarily touch. But then yeah. I also have some women in, in my life who have demonstrated, hey, I've, I, I've, I've ridden the waves and the peaks and the valleys, and this is how you get through it. Because if you have a, a mentor who has never, ever dug themselves out of a valley, when you're in the valley, they probably can't help you authentically. At least that's my opinion. Absolutely. And, and modeling yourself after someone who hasn't had a trajectory is dangerous. <laughs> it's very face value, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Yes. Um, and I think um, people who are successful, like people who, get, who have ridden those waves, you know, a success, somebody who has that heart for helping other people, they're going to encourage you. They're going to help you see the beautiful light that you are. And they're going to help you draw that out for yourself and give you kind of some steam to keep moving without being a part of what you need to be without, without being part of your train, they can inspire. And, um, for, even from a distance. Absolutely. I like it. I like those three pieces. Give yourself time, allow for another stream of revenue to keep the lights on and, um, focus on being inspired by people who have been doing what you want to do for a lengthy period of time. I think those, those are really, um, crucial and unique. I haven't heard um, those pieces from anybody else, so I appreciate that. We are all out of time today, but I do want to say, um, Catherine, I will I will circle back around within a year, and I'll try and convince you to talk with us again and find out where Catherine the Grape is at, as well as you know the merchandising and um, everything else. Because I love what you're doing, and I think that it's you. You're so prolific, and it's so exciting to kind of drop back in and see what your um, landscape looks like again. Thank you so much for meeting with awesome. us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I appreciate your, your podcast and your willingness to put messages out into the world to help others. Absolutely. I'm positive this will be a great one too. I'm, I know that there's going to be a lot of people in our audience who benefit from it and happy anniversary in a couple of months to Candon Unlimited. You guys are coming in on a decade. That's so awesome. Yeah. I love Very it. Very exciting. Yeah, and I, um, I want to end with one of my most favorite things that you said, and I'll quote you back to you. You said, I thrive in an unlimited possibility space. And I think that, that there's nothing more true about your story and what you've said about yourself. I love that. And, um, and I really do appreciate you sharing your story. And I'll, I'll circle back around. I'll, I'll convince you to talk with us again. <laughs> Thanks, Patricia. Thank, thank you very much. You. And for everyone listening, thank you so much for giving us your time today. And until I speak with you again, remember to always bet on yourself. Slunch. Up.